Good morning, family. Grace and joy to you. I've missed you all. It's so good to see you, and especially, especially on this beautiful Mother's Day. Mothers, would you stand? All the mothers, all the mothers. Come on, moms. We want to stand. Family, can you help me give God some praise for these beautiful women? And stay standing, stay standing, because I want to pray a very special Mother's Day prayer over you. But I need your help in the audience. So if you're standing around one of these sweet moms, why don't you just stand where you are and put your hands on them, okay? Just wherever you're at, stand next to one of these moms. Come on, help me, guys. Come on, help me. Put your arms or your hands out. We want to pray a Mother's Day blessing over them. Yeah, this is your chance to bless, bless the mom in your life. Amen. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. I see a mom back there. Somebody needs to touch for me. All right. Somebody touch her for me. All right. (laughs) Father, we are tremendously blessed because of these, your daughters. You've given them to us as a gift. And life flows from them. And so we don't take their presence lightly, nor do we look beyond them today. We want to tell you thank you for making them fearfully and wonderfully made. They're your daughters, and you thought it was good that we not be alone, and so you blessed us with them. And today, we want to tell you thank you. We know, Lord, that they're, they're here, they're, they're present, and yet there may be burdens on their hearts, things on their minds that they are wrestling with. Would you remember them this morning? Would you smile on them in a special way? Would you bless them and give them the deep desires of their hearts? We honor them because we honor you, and we want to tell you thankful. Thank you, because we're thankful. Now show us how to bless them in some small, special way today. Help us just carry forth that love and do it, Father, so that you would be pleased as well. We love you and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, mothers. You may be seated. Thank you, families. Today our text comes from Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16, and it's a Mother's Day message I want to preach for you today. First of all, I'm so grateful to be back with you. I really missed you. It's so good to lay eyes on you again and to preach for you God's word. Genesis 16, Genesis 16, verses 7 through 16, a very familiar passage of scripture. The title of our message today is A Mother's Discovery in the time of need. It's a story about a sister whose name is Hagar. Very powerful text. So let's read. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, Where have you come from and where are you going? 
She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, and I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, Hagar, you are with child. You're a mom and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has heard your affliction. And he shall be a wild man. He shall, uh, rather, his hand shall be against every man. And every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. El-Rohi is the Hebrew word. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? And therefore the well was called Behelaroi. Observe, it's between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram, a son. And Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. And Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Family, there is something incredibly powerful in this passage. And it's powerful because we see that it's possible for God to find you in the midst of your sorrow and your brokenness. I'm in awe of God in this passage, and I'm in awe because God can meet a person at their breaking point in life and step into their world and make sense out of a senseless situation. Today's text is a story just like that. Our sister Hagar has been badly mistreated. She's been disrespected. She's been manhandled by her slave master. Life has been cruel to her. And in her frustration with life, she finds herself in what I call is a pivotal moment. It's a pivotal moment where she needs to decide what she's going to do about life, what she's going to do about living, and how is she going to change her current circumstances. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been beat up and beat down? Have you ever desired to change the way things were but felt like you were helpless? If so, you can relate to Sister Hagar today. You see, sin has run wild in Abram's home. Sarai, Abram's wife, had a slave girl whose name was Hagar. Hagar was from Egypt. And 
Hagar is now being used by Sarai, Abram's wife, to make her do something human beings should not be forced to do. Because Sarai could not have children. She now takes her slave girl and gives her to her husband to produce a child because she could not wait on the blessing of God. When we read this passage, we see, man, there's all kind of stuff wrong with that pastor. Yeah, I know. But in Mesopotamia, it was the culture. It was okay to possess human beings. And if you had a slave and you could not produce, the slave girl could carry the offspring of your husband and the child was said to be yours. What a custom. Now, while this might have been culturally acceptable back then in Abraham's day, it was a complete denial of faith, the faith of Sarai and Abram. See, it was not God's plan or God's will for Sarai to do this. This decision was going to cause tremendous pain in the life of many lives that were to come. And we see also in this text that during her pregnancy, Hagar now becomes disrespected by Sarai. And as a result, the text also says she also despises her mistress. I don't know what happened in that arrangement or that situation, but somewhere along the line, Hagar began to see herself as somebody that Abram had affection for. And this caused problems in Abram's and Sarai's marriage. So Sarai gets angry. She tells Abram to do something with the slave girl. Abram was not willing to punish Hagar, so he gives Hagar over to Sarai to punish her. Today, when we look at this text, we see that Hagar has to suffer under the hand of Sarai. But I learned something about this passage today. I learned that God will take care of the social injustices that comes to you and I as we travel in this old world. God does seize those who have been abused and rejected by others. And as a result of that, there are three things in this passage I'm going to share for you and I get on down the road Today on this Mother's Day, I want to talk about Hagar's desert place. Secondly, I want to talk about Hagar's divine pain. And I'll land the plane talking about Hagar's divine position. Her desert place, her divine pain, and her divine position. Look with me in verse 7 and 8 of the text there. The Bible says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Whenever you see that word, Lord, in all capitals in the Old Testament, that that is the word for Jehovah, or you could say Yahweh. And it's, it's the Old Testament word that says this is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. It's what we call a theophany. It's the pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament. So the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself, found Hagar. 
and he found her beside the spring along the road to Shur. Shur is the Hebrew word for bitterness. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, look at this question. Don't read this too fast. He said, where have you come from and where are you going? Wow. She says, I'm running away from my mistress. The first thing we see when we come to this passage, beloved, after the injustice that has been done to Hagar, is that Hagar is running, trying to get away from her abuser. The second thing we see is that Hagar, in running away, she's alone. She's abused. She's pregnant. And she's in need of a savior, a protector, and a provider. Come on, go in this text with me, RCC. Lean in there today. I want you to get this in your mind's eye at this picture. See, the Bible said that the Lord, he found her. And he found her near a spring in the desert. Look, she was headed toward the place called Shore. It was a bitter place. She was in a place of relief, running for her life, but she was headed toward bitterness. Okay, let me say it this way. She was in a place looking for comfort, but headed toward despair. And it's here at the spring in the desert that God intervenes to change her future and her current situation. Can I get an amen right there? Family, whenever life has been cruel to the child of God, Jesus always has a way of showing up in the darkest places to make things right. The lesson in this picture, this picture of God, is a picture for you and I to see God bringing grace in the time of need. This spring is a place where decisions are made. We're going to read later on in the passage where she gives that place a name. It's the place where God meets with her that changes her life. This spring is a place where pivotal moments happen. And it's at the spring in the desert where a person, yes, here it is, develops a strategy for living. All of us have been in spring situations like, hey, gosh, those situations where we need for God to rescue us and to help us in the time of trouble and despair. This lesson, mothers, this lesson allows for us to see just how much God loves us. You may be in a horrible situation, but he has not forgotten you. He's the kind of God that will show up. It teaches us this lesson that he comes to rescue us in the midst of our injustice. Secondly, we see in this text that when God shows up, guess what? He always asks questions. Hagar, where have you come from? Oh, what a question. And where are you going? Beloved, this is interesting because God isn't asking because he don't know the answer. 
No, he's asking so that she will know. He already knows. Hagar is running from trouble to escape from trouble, but in her haste, she's running in the wrong direction. Here it is. You might get this one. She's a runner, been running all her life. And because of the bitterness and the trouble that she's struggling with, she finds herself running again. And she's running from one situation into a bitter and barren situation. And God shows up with a question. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Is there anybody here that can relate to Hagar? Is there anybody here? that can identify with her dilemma? Let me say it this, this way. Won't your pain and your rejection carry you too to places of bitterness? Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever been in pain and it led you down a road of bitterness? That's where she's headed. Somebody looking at me this morning You're living in a place of bitterness because of something that happened to you a long time ago. Somebody looking at me this morning is stuck in the wilderness of shore, that place of bitterness, because you went the wrong direction at the pivotal moment in life. And if I were you, I would learn from this text today to respond to the right way to God's question. Where have you come from and where? Are you going? Do you know where you've been? And do you know what you're heading into? We've looked at Hagar's desert place. Let's look now at Hagar's divine pain. The Bible says in verse 9 that then the angel of the Lord, this is Jesus, remember in the Old Testament talking to her, he says to her, Hagar, go back to your mistress. Go back to your slave owner and submit to her authority. Now, how many of you know sometimes God says stuff you don't like to hear? Here it is in the passage. What do you mean, God? She just was abused, forced to do what she wasn't desiring to do, and now you're telling her to go back. Yep, it's in the Bible. We used to have a a term that we would use in my Bible Institute. We would say, don't make it up, look it up. God here is telling her to do something hard. Verse 10, then the angel added, and I will give you descendants, more descendants than you can count. Verse 11, and the angel also said, you are now pregnant, Hagar, and you will give birth to a son, and you are to name that son Ishmael, for the Lord has heard about your misery. Stay with me now, ladies. Please stay with me right in here, and I promise you this is going to bless you like it blessed me. It's clear in this verse Hagar has finally found an audience with God. She's in a pivotal moment, and the Lord is trying to get her attention 
to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. See, her help was present in the fact that God is now in conversation with her. And he's about to respond to her case and make everything all right. See, God does something very strange in this text. Sister Christie, it's both what I call strange and divine. You say, what do you mean, Wilson? God has asked her to return to the scene of the abuse. He wants her to go back and face the one who's caused her pain. He wants her to face her enemy. He wants her to enter back into the place where her life was threatened. He wants her to go back to the scene of the crime. This is the God of heaven and earth who loves her, who has a plan for her life. But there is a purpose in her pain. Stay with me. See, if Hagar is to rise above her pain, she's going to have to face it head on. There was humility in this assignment. God was not going to promote Hagar, but she was not to parade herself before Sarai either. See, God wanted to bless her and use her, but first she would learn humility in hard situations. God was literally going to cause her pain in order to deal with her pain. I remember when I was a kid, Brother Joshua, uh, I was playing in the neighborhood and I got a big splinter in my hand. And I tried to get it out with my teeth and I tried to get it out by myself and I tried to get my little homeboys in the neighborhood to help me get it out because I was afraid to go to the only one who I knew could get it out. My mom used to have one of those big sewing needles. Come on, you had the same mama I did. And I knew that if I went to mama, she was going to get out that big needle and she was going to dig in that finger to get that splinter out. Why did I tell that story? It was going to take pain to relieve my pain. And that's what God does in the life of the believer. Every believer that encounters pain on this side, guess what he uses to get rid of it? Pain. The truth is that only mama sewing needle could have took the splinter out of my hand. But I had to be willing to submit myself to the process so that I could be made whole. Did you catch it? It's true, mothers. It's going to take some pain to get rid of your pain. Sometime when God decides to intervene in our trouble, here's what else I found in this passage. He asks hard things of us. RCC, I stopped by to tell you today, God will ask hard things of you. You're his bride. You're his church. It's not always comfortable being his bride. Be able to listen to the hard thing. And respond so that he can take you where he wants to take you. 
Can I tell you this, though? He never asked to hurt you. (laughs) He only asked to help you. Hagar is going to have a great assignment in raising a great child. He's going to be great. And she's going to give him an entire generation. But in order to prepare her, she's got to go through some trials that'll help her along the way. We've looked at Hagar's desert place. We've looked at Hagar's divine pain. Let me land the plane now and show you Hagar's divine position. Y'all with me today? Can I get an amen right through there? All right. Verse 12. He describes the baby she's going to have in verse 12. This son of yours, Hagar, is going to be a wild one. Come on, say amen, ladies, right there. Raising sons. It's going to be a wild little guy. (laughs) He says he's going to be untamed as a wild donkey. Sister Sharon and I, we raised three of those wild donkeys. We know what that means. He will be against everyone, and everyone will be against him. He will live at odds with the rest of his brother. This is Ishmael, the father of the Arab nation. And this is where we get the first prophetic look at the Arab tribes that are descendants from Father Abraham. What a beautiful work. And thereafter, verse 13, Hagar referred to the Lord as the one who spoke to her. She called him El-Rahi, the Lord who sees. For I have too seen the one who sees me. And later, that place, the well where she was at, was named Beherlaroi. And it became, or is still found today, between Kadesh and So Hagar, she gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Something jumped out at me in this verse. I've been reading this passage for 32 years. I never caught it until this week. She gave him a son, and she gives him a son that the angel of the Lord told her to name, and she told Abraham what his name was going to be. And Abraham complied and obeyed and named the child what God said <laughs> his name was going to be. Whoa, that felt good. And Abram was 86 years old at that time. The old man still had it. I keep telling Sister Wilson, can we have one more? She's like, please, you ain't Abraham. Pray for me. (laughs) As I get ready to land the plane, here we see that God honors Hagar. Watch this, mothers. I, I preached all of that to get to this point. God honors Hagar with a son. That's what children's are. They're gifts. He gave her a man child. And God has given her a boy who will look out for her in life. God has promoted her to motherhood. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. It's a privilege. It's a promotion that only God can give. I'm hunting for an amen right there. God made her to know him and to be connected to him through her hardship 
and her loneliness. See, he is not only a blessing to her, but he will be a protector of her. Ishmael will be a great warrior and the father of the Arab race. He will not be able to be controlled. God honors her with life and she recognizes who God is. She calls him the God who sees me. El Roy, he, the God who cares about my pain. And then Hagar named the place. Where God met him. I'm coming off my notes right here, but can I tell you if God has met you in the desert situations of your life, you ought to name that place. You ought to go back and not forget the place where he met you, where he spoke to you, where he heard your word. Name that place, identify, because that's the place where you can go back to again just in case you get amnesia or get discouraged or forget what it was that God has done for you. Oh, shoot, let me, since I'm out here, let me just preach it like I feel it. RCC, you need to go back and name some places where the God met you, where God visited you, where God revealed himself to you because you can get forgetful and get discouraged and forget what he called you to do and who he called you to be. Go back and visit the wells where he met you the first time. Hagar's place of remembrance, the place of El Roy. He, here's what I noticed, when God has met you in your desert, you need to honor him. You should always acknowledge when God has done something in your life. We need to have those places in our hearts where we know that God has spoken to us and revealed himself to us. Okay, I'm coming down, but let me tell you this. Hagar in her newfound divine position says this, the Lord has seen me. See, before this, she thought nobody saw her and that she was only a slave. But now she knows I'm God's property. Hey, help me, Holy Ghost. Help me preach it all. God sees me. I am somebody. I don't know what my master thinks about me, but I'm the property of God. Oh, help me preach it all today. But here we find what I call as a pivotal moment in life. Embarrassed, wounded, in isolation, all alone by the well and the Lord sees me. She has, brothers and sisters, an encounter with God. What a critical discovery. Well, on my way down, let me tell you this. Hagar is in a divine position now. She's in a divine position because in her trying time, in the desert of bitterness, after humiliating circumstances, God showed up and made it a divine place. Mm. A place of bitterness, yes, can be flipped to become a divine place. A place of isolation and loneliness can change when the presence of God shows up. Uh, and oftentimes, when it does, that place of a curse becomes a place of a blessing. I'm trying to quit, Brother Ken, but it's just gotten good to me. I'm sorry. I missed you for three weeks. Can I borrow a few minutes and give them back to you next week? Hagar didn't know she had a baby on the inside of her. God had to tell her at the well, you pregnant, girl, and your baby is going to be a blessing to you 
and the generations that to come. She didn't know that the little warrior inside of her was going to be a protector of all kind of men. Listen, you have no idea, mothers, what your babies are going to be. You have no idea how they're going to bless generations that's to come. So thank God today. Honor them for the gifts he's given to you. She didn't know that God saw her trouble and was going to bless her in spite of it. But what a joy to be called a mom. What a joy to have the privilege to carry that precious soul and eternal being shaped and fashioned in the image of God. I got too many notes up here. Let me just shut it down. But I want to tell you a little story. Hagar, up to this time in her life, didn't see nothing beautiful about her. She was a slave from Egypt. Her slave master had abused her. She's now pregnant, carrying your slave master's child. You can't imagine what that would have felt like. But God was going to introduce her to something beautiful. It was what he was doing. And it reminded me of the story of the caterpillar. The caterpillar is a funny, strange little creature. Not very pretty. Not something you run to the pet store and buy. Takes all day to go just a little place. But it undergoes, or when it undergoes, the process of metamorphosis, the caterpillar becomes the butterfly. And here's what I learned. It's in the process of metamorphosis that something at work on the inside is trying to show up on the outside. I learned this. The only reason why the butterfly can fly is because the wings are strengthened by the work it does inside of the cocoon. (laughs) In other words, if you were to split open the cocoon, Before the metamorphosis is over, the butterfly will never be able to fly. The only reason why it gains strength to fly is because it has a struggle in the cocoon. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? If there's no struggle, there's no flight. Come here, Christian, let me talk to you. God's got a purpose for your life, but you will never soar if you don't learn how to struggle. That's how you get strength in your arms and in your testimony and in your witness. You've got to have a struggle. RCC, you're not without struggle. There must be some struggle if you're going to be able to fly. If you're going to be able to be the beautiful church that the Lord has designed you to be. Every Christian is like a butterfly waiting to happen. But it takes struggle to get there. Well, I got to leave you now. But even Jesus had adversity. Even Jesus had to overcome the horrible systems of this world in order to fulfill the plan that the Father had laid out for him in his earthly journey. From poverty to persecution, he had to endure adverse situations from the rejection of his own family to the isolation at Calvary, he had to endure adversity. 
And when he experienced the pain at Golgotha, he was preparing to enter the grave. He died on that cross on Friday. You know the story. Took your sins and my sins upon himself. Died as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. That was adversity. Then descended into the grave. And in that grave took the sting out of death. Victory over the grave. And early Sunday morning, just like the beautiful butterfly, he rose conquering death, hell, and the grave. And now he sits at the right hand throne of God, making intercession for you and I. No struggle, no flight. Hagar's got a struggle. Here's what I want to leave you with, moms. Be encouraged. Earth is your desert place. It's filled with divine pain. But it's only to prepare you for your divine position that's to come in Christ. And all God's people said, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Our Father and our God, thank you for Hagar's story. Thank you for the truths that we can learn as we study your word. Thank you that you saw her in that desert place You saw her and invited her into a difficult journey, but you promised that you would bless her in the end. And we thank you today for those divine promises. So for every mom that's here, every mom, Lord, that is there that identifies with Hagar, remind them today of the promises. Remind them today of your perfect plan for their life. And then, Lord, if there's one here today who does not know you, it's my prayer, my, pl- my prayer, plead that, God, you would rescue them. They would surrender their lives to you. They would give their lives over to you and accept you as their Lord and Savior. We thank you for this moment today. Encourage us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen.